Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. So we've done a couple of weeks on, on you know, the first week we, we had this kind of overview picture of, of marriage, but not just marriage. We talked about singleness, we talked about um, uh, sex, we talked about divorce, because when you look at the whole picture of marriage in the Bible, all of those things are connected to it. And we talked about just this phrase which was in the big picture that we looked at, that the two become one. And that was kind of the phrase that runs through the Bible from Genesis, uh, I think it's last mentioned in Ephesians, where it talks about the two become one. And uh, that was kind of God's design for marriage. And we read about that in Genesis, that marriage was God's idea. And last week we, um, I suppose, took a more uh, sort of specific approach. We looked at some of the tools required in marriage and we looked particularly at the need for grace Um, uh, and what we meant by that was acceptance and redemption. And what we meant by that was this idea of repentance and forgiveness, and that without those at the heart of it, uh, marriage becomes very difficult. And not only marriage, relationships become very difficult if we don't accept one another, don't understand um, uh, repentance and forgiveness. And just as um, the Bible talks about God at the heart of marriage... God is also at the heart of parenting and children. And it's good to know that. God presents himself to us as a father. Yeah? You don't read it in Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, you read about God who created the world. But as you read through the Bible, what you pick up is that when he created the world, Father, God, um, his son was with him at the same time. Yeah, you read about that. And also, it becomes more explicit as you go through the Bible that the, the God who created the world was a father who had a son. And so God presents himself in that sense of uh, a family, a father and a, with a son. And so it helps us because God said to Adam and Eve at the very beginning, I want you to go forth and multiply. And clearly we're multiplying in this church. We're hearing it now. Um, but God sent them forth to go forth and multiply, and it's, it's helpful to understand it was God who did that. It wasn't that they kind of, one day uh, Eve got pregnant and thought, I've got this funny feeling in my tummy, I'm not sure what's happening, and out pops a child. It wasn't like that. God said to them, go forth and multiply. It was God's idea. It all began with God. It's helpful for us to remember that if you are a parent. Oh, this began with God. It, it didn't begin with me. Thank the Lord. It began with him. And even in those very early days that you read about um, uh, parenting or, or family in the Bible, you read about the brothers of Cain and Abel, and it's really interesting because when you read about it, uh, very much their relationship is defined by God and their worship of God. If you remember, Cain brings some sacrifice to God and God doesn't receive the sacrifice, and Abel brings a sacrifice that God receives. Yeah, so right at the very beginning, you've got these two brothers who are, who are there at the very beginning, and they're defined by their worship of God. That's how their relationship grows up, and, and uh, Cain is angry with his brother because his, his sacrifice is received and his is not received, and God says, you know, sin wants, to, sin wants to have its way with you, but you must not let it master you. 
He tells him that right at the beginning. God's involved in family. God doesn't just see family as this thing that happens and he's kind of then responding to it. He's the, he's the author, he's the architect of family. It began with God. God in his own way parents. It was his idea. And it's helpful to know that because you realise then that God gives us grace to parent. And aren't you pleased at that if you're a parent? Aren't you pleased that God gives you the grace to parent children and that you haven't worked that out, you haven't read the encyclopedia of parenting and discovered all you need to know? Yeah, Because actually the encyclopedia of parenting, will um, it won't necessarily help you parent as best you can because it won't help you parent your children. You end up parenting children and God gives you your children. So the verse that I want to kind of just look at today and, and, and pick off, and, and today we're very much looking at some principles of parenting, uh, and next week we are, um, it's a bit more practical, and um, there's going to be, I think, a, a much shorter talk, and then there's going to be an interview, I think, uh, where I think Steve and Emma are going to interview Pauline and I about family, marriage, and parenting. There have been questions that we've had through, uh, we've had a couple of questions in the last couple of weeks. We will address those next week. If you have other questions, you can write them on the little white bit of papers today and put them in the box and we'll answer them next week. But also next week, you'll just be able to ask questions. Yeah, so we're just going to throw it out there and uh, do our best. So I'll say that I'm, I'm not full of knowledge, limited knowledge, but we will do our best on these subjects. Because I get practical parenting is really important. I get it. Um, But there are some things that it's helpful to understand that will help us with our practical parenting. So the verse I want to refer to today uh, comes from Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. And I suppose I'm not reading it in what we would know as the more traditional kind of um, copies of the Bible. I'm reading it from the, I think it's the New Living Translation, and it says this. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And I kind of want to understand that verse, not as kind of, oh, you know, a deep saying or anything like that, but, but I want us to look at that verse almost as a promise, it's a promise. It's not a kind of, oh, you know, one of the sayings of the wise is start children off. No, God says, if you start them off on the way that they should go, when they're old, they'll not turn from it. Now, I, I get immediately some of us are thinking, I mean, how can you say that? Children come and go all the time when it comes to faith. But the thing I want to lean into, and I suppose push back on a little, is that raising children God's way and causing them to focus on God for their lives, and although you cannot guarantee it, it's not random. It's not lucky. Oh, you know, I was really lucky with my kids. They just happened too. Yeah? I don't think there's as much luck about it as we sometimes think there is, and we just kind of accept, oh, some kids do and some kids don't. Obviously, that is true, but I think that there are things that we can do that can really help our kids to find God, and there are things that we do that we think are helping to find God, and they're not helping to find God. 
They're not actually doing that. If you were to think about what are you trying to do when you're parenting, it's very easy at one level and to, to become a parent. You know, if you're married, it's not difficult to become a parent. But parenting children is a whole different deal. Yeah, actually raising them. It's almost like you can become a parent, and that's kind of GCSE level. I can become a parent. Raising children, it's like a master's. It's like I need a PhD to raise them. I only need a GSE to become a parent, but I need a PhD to raise them. That's what it can feel like at times. And as I say, I, I, I think sometimes we can do things that we think are helping, and actually they're not helping, because we haven't answered the question, what am I actually trying to do here? What's my aim? What's, what's, what is it? If you think about just a couple of really small situations from nature, how, how the caterpillar ultimately becomes the butterfly through the cocoon. And, and you think about, I've talked about this idea that sometimes you can help, but actually you're not helping. Sometimes you can do things that are not helpful, even though you think it is helpful. This is what it says when you, um, if you were to just try and help a butterfly come out of the cocoon, because you can watch it struggle. When the butterfly comes out of the cocoon, the only way he can strengthen its wings is by beating them against the cocoon. It beats against the cocoon so its muscles will grow strong. When you helped it, you prevented it from developing the muscles it would need to survive. So you could watch, you know, not that we ever do this, but imagine if you were watching this butterfly come out of the cocoon, you go, oh, it's struggling. I'm not sure if it's going to make it. And you come in and you help out. Actually, in helping out, you, you probably um, stop it developing in the way it was meant to develop. Or it says of a, of a little chick that hatches out of an egg. The most common ill effects of helping a chick hatch are, you know, you help it, it will bleed to death because you helped before the blood vessels of the egg have shut down. Because you don't really know when they're meant to shut down. And you broke some. You interfered too early and the chick has had not had enough time to strengthen its legs by pushing against the shell so it will have weak legs. It's interesting that both of those descriptions describe struggle. They describe the thing that we don't like the most. Who wants to see their children struggle? Who wants to see their children have to battle with stuff? Who wants to see their children when it's difficult for them? You immediately go out to them, your heart goes out, oh, what can I do? What can I do to help? What can I do to make them feel better? So when it comes to parenting, what are we trying to do? And I'm talking, what are we as Christians specifically trying to do? Because without, without being a Christian, you still need to have your child educated in some way. You don't need to be a Christian. It's not, it's not Christians that think about education. We all think about education. Yeah, you want your children to grow up you know, relatively polite. Yeah, if you can, yeah, you want them to grow up relatively polite. You want them to be able to handle themselves. But when it comes to Christian, and all those things will happen... Yeah, partly because you live in a nation where education is going to happen. Yeah, you can't have a child and hide it from the world and not educate it. You, you know, people will come and ask you questions about your children. Yeah, they'll understand that. So what are you, as a Christian, trying to do with your children 
in a world that is not Christian? What are you trying to do? Three things. The first is, you are trying to be present with them. To be with them. You see, children need an example of authentic faith. They need authentic faith. Well, they need authentic anything. Yeah? We live in a world where if something isn't authentic, people don't like it, people react to it, people respond badly to things that aren't authentic. You must have authentic faith. Yeah? You must live your faith openly before your kids. Yeah? It's not enough. And, and I spend a, a lot of time in, in, in terms of my faith, you know, praying in a room or whatever, um, but, but that has to be an open experience. And over the years, the girls have come in, and it, faith is lived openly. They understand faith just from the way we live. Secondly, you have to protect them from a world that does not have faith, and that's all about relationship. You must stay close to your children. Do not think to yourself that, oh, yeah, um, so-and-so's two years old, and in the Encyclopedia of Parenting, it says two-year-olds do this. That doesn't work, yeah? Your two-year-old will be a little bit different to that. And what are you raising? Are you raising some kind of dictionary definition of a two-year-old, or are you raising your two-year-old? There's a difference. You must protect them. You must build a relationship. And for us, growing up with our children, we made relationship in terms of our girls the number one thing. Yeah? Over and above behaviour, over and above other things, it was, have we got relationship with them? Or have we lost relationship? Have we lost trust with them because of the way that we've parented them? Or ha have we got relationship? That was really important to us. And then the third thing, so you need to be present with them, you need to protect them, you need to provide for them. But I don't mean in that general sense of food, clothes and shelter that you learn at school. I mean, you need to provide for them an environment of faith. A community where God dwells. You need to provide for them a church where they can see grace lived out. And you need to provide those things. You need to provide authentic faith, real genuine relationship, and, and, a, and an environment of faith. You need to provide those things, and it needs to be consistent and constant. Yeah? Your children need to see that the grace they hear preached at church they see in your life, and they see in your relationships. If they miss those things, that you, you just reduce the chances that they will follow in your faith. Yeah? Simply coming to church won't do that, and simply being friendly with them won't do that. You have to try and build in those things so that as your children grow, they see in your life, because it becomes an integrity thing, they see, oh, they talk about grace all the time. You know, he kind of lives with grace and he shows grace. That's powerful. That's powerful. And if you do that, I think that's when that promise applies. Start children off. Show them the way they should go. And they won't depart from it. I think the promise applies. Whereas if you do one of those things... If you think that, oh, no, I'm not doing those things, there are other things that I want to do, what are some of the other things that you might be trying to do without realising it? You might be trying to make your children happy. Yeah? You might think, well, the, the number one thing is as long as they're happy. Yeah? The problem with happiness 
is as you get older, you realize happiness comes and happiness goes. Yeah? Sometimes some of the most fruitful things you do are not the happiest things you do. Yeah? I mean, okay, I didn't give birth. I know that. Yeah, I understand that. But when Pauline gave birth in that moment, she wasn't at her happiest. She was not joyous and joyful. Yeah? And, and I certainly wasn't. I was, I was there, but I, yeah. It wasn't the happiest moment. It might have led to a very happy moment, but the moment itself was not a happy moment. If the highest value was happiness, if that really was your highest value, you have to question things you do that don't lead to happiness. Some of us, you're trying to make your children happy. It's not about whether your children are happy. It's certainly not about whether your children smile at three years old. It's nice if they do, but it's not about that. Secondly, it's not about giving them everything you didn't have. Yeah, sometimes we raise our children, like, oh yeah, I, did, I didn't have all of those things. I give my children everything. All the chocolate they want. I never had chocolate. No one gave me chocolate when I was growing up. I'm going to give my every piece of chocolate they ever want. I'm going to hug them every day. No one hugged me when I was, I'm going to hug them every day. Yeah? You give them what you, what you didn't have. It's not about that. I'm not saying those things don't happen, but it isn't actually about giving them everything you didn't want. It's not about loving them to death. Some people love their children to death. What I mean by that is this. Love. This is love. Not love, real, but love. We knew of parents who loved their children so much, loved their children so much, that when their children became ill, didn't want to go to school, parent was, oh, you're not feeling well today, love. Oh, I'm feeling a bit poorly, Mum. Okay, you don't need to go to school today. You can miss school today. I get. I understand. Oh, have you hurt your? Oh, you can't love your children to death because we know of one family where they did that. They were like that with their child. Whatever their child wants, very kind of closeted and kept in, and all, all just very mollycoddled kind of thing. When they got to secondary school, they began to struggle. Yeah, because it's like the caterpillar. They didn't have, they weren't given the opportunity to develop the inner characteristics that were required to be able to manage in a world that wasn't so cocooned. Because the world isn't a cocooned place. The idea is not to cocoon your children from the world, it's to prepare them for the world. Yeah, and you don't do that by cocooning them. You don't do that by, by giving them everything they want, giving them every bit of love and kindness that could ever be given. You don't do that because when they get into the real world, that is not what happens. You're not trying to love them to death. You're not trying to live your life through their lives. Yeah? Sometimes we can be a bit like that. I, I, didn't, have, I didn't have sons, although growing up as a boy, yeah, active boy, you know, I, I always thought I could play football for England and I could play cricket for England and I, was just, I, was, it, I just had not been discovered. The opportunity just didn't come my way. That's what happened. Yeah, that's the truth of it. Yeah, I was there. I was ready for all those activities. I was watching the athletics yesterday. I was thinking, do you know what? Someone missed out here. Yeah, so I'm ready for all of that. Now, it didn't happen to me. So what do I do? Do I then say of my children... Because this is what we do with our children, yeah? Our child kicks a ball. We go, whoa, whoa, there's some ability there. Or our child plays on the piano, sings a tune. We go, yo, this child, 
Oscars, I see it. Yeah, We try and live our life through them. The thing that we never achieved, we want them to achieve. And at one level, you know, please don't mishear miss, me. I'm not saying that you don't want to have some kind of desire for your children to achieve and to even do better than you, but this is different when you try and live your life through them. You're not trying to do that. Because when you try and do that, they won't, they won't grow in the way that they're required to grow to be able to handle the world in which they're going to step into. And the world they're going to step into is going to be different to the world that you grew up in. You already know that, don't you? Because most of us who are parents now, we didn't grow up as children in the social media world that we grow up in now. So your children are already going to live differently. Well, neither are you trying to teach your children old wives' tales, folklores and myths. Yeah? I remember hearing when I was a child, somebody hits you, you hit them back. Only harder. I was like, okay, yeah? Actually, when someone hit me, I was ready to run. Yeah, I'm not hitting back. I'm not taking on that kind of thing. Or, you know, just do your best. That's all we can ask, just do your best. Sometimes people don't do their best. Or education is the key to success. It's not the key to success. Yeah? If, 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 if you understand what it is to walk with God, you'll understand that way more than education is required for you to be successful in life. So you don't want to teach your children old wives' tales, particularly as often we can as parents, casually and almost carelessly. We're not even thinking about it. We're just saying, oh, yeah, just do your best, you'll be fine. Yeah, we try and teach them our stuff. But remember what I said, I talked about as Christian parents, what are we trying to do? We want our children to see authentic faith. Because in the end, your children don't do what you do. They will do what they see you, they don't do what you say, they will do what you, they see you do. They really will. Ultimately, they will not follow your mini preaches or your mini visionary talks or whatever it is you do to try and get them going, they don't follow that. What they will follow is what you've done. So if for you, you think when it comes to faith, the most important thing is to get them to church most weeks, but not every week, because some weeks you, you know, you've got holiday, you've got stuff going on, and nothing wrong with that. But if you think that that's what you do, your children will see that church is something that they can do or not do. They won't necessarily get the value of church if they just occasionally go and they sit at the back and blah, blah. They won't get it. As much as you might think they're getting it, they won't get it. They'll see church in the way that ultimately you saw church, but you didn't realise you saw church like that till it was too late. If you don't think it's important to have authentic faith and you come away from church and you're like, yeah, I heard all of that, but actually this is what you need to do and it's the folklores, it's the myths, it's the old wives' tales that you teach them, that's what they'll grow up with. That's what they'll grow up with. Authentic faith is when your children realise, oh, there's something about, you know, mum and dad seem to have this relationship with God. What's all that about? How does that happen? So there are things that we're trying to do 
and there are things that we're not trying to do as Christian parents. And it's almost like there are lots of other things that need to be done in life. I get it. But as a Christian parent, if you focus on these things, it will really help you. What am I trying to do here? When it comes to school, what am I trying to do here? Oh, ultimately, I'm, oh, this is what I'm trying to do. So you make decisions based on what you're ultimately trying to do. You don't judge your kids by what they're like when they're seven. Yeah? And I mean that both ways. Your seven-year-old's naughty. And you're like, oh, your seven-year-old's really good. Yeah? Don't judge what they're like by their seven. Don't make your children the centre of attention. Because at three years old, when your child is the centre of attention, that looks really cute. At 13, it becomes a bit annoying. Yeah? At 23, you're like, what has gone on here? Yeah? Don't make your child what they never will be. Yeah? Life is not about trying to become the centre of attention. But if your child thinks that when I become the centre of attention, that's when my parents love me, they focus on me and everything, that's when I get lots of nice comments and all of that kind of stuff, that actually doesn't look great the older they get. You've got to find a way of getting that out of them. Because when they get to their 20s and they start engaging with other people, people are like, whoa, what's wrong with this person? So it's understanding what's the big idea here. What are we trying to do and what are we not trying to do with our children? And the fact that we're raising our children before God in a world that isn't trying to raise them. That's why you have to give it the focus that, that I'm talking about because the world outside is not giving it that focus. You need your children to be able to grow up and understand the world in which they live through the eyes of the Father. If they can do that, then they can manage it. And they can manage it with faith. If you do that, if you put that value in your children when they're younger, when they get to university age, you'll find that they'll, one of the first things they'll do when they leave home is they'll find a church. That's one of the first things they'll do. Because they've recognised over the years, oh, actually, the church has been a huge benefit to me being in a family, being among people who know me. I've seen how that works. I've seen how that has benefited me and my family. I'm going to university. Where's the nearest church? Where's the nearest community that I can be a part of? That's what they'll do. So we're going to just take a a, a slight shift, and I'm going to, as I say, this is about what's the big idea and then I just want to now cover some, just some principles. And, and I'm going to try and do it briefly. Forgive me if you've heard some of them, because you will have done, because I'm not trying to make up new principles. Um, so forgive me if you've heard some of them, but I'm just going to cover them briefly. Principles of parenting. What are we trying to do? Next week, as I say, we'll look more practically. What did I actually do? What do we actually do? I get the principle, but how does that actually work out? Now, remember what I said about you can become a parent, and that's kind of GCSE level. Please, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying there. But raising children is like the PhD level. That's what it can feel like. Yeah. What you must understand in that is it's not, there's no easy answer. There's no quick fix. There's no, I mean, give me the three things. What do I need to do? It's not like that. You, you're navigating. It's a journey you're navigating through life. And you're always looking, what are we actually trying to do? Oh, what, what do we want our children to look like when they're 18, 19? When they leave home, how do I want them to be? Yeah, whatever you do, you don't know what they're going to be like at 18, 19. You don't. 
Yeah? But you're saying, I'm giving them the best opportunity I've possibly been able to, to know him. Because I know knowing him above everything else makes the difference. Whether they have a job with money or they don't have a job with money, that kind of thing isn't relevant. Knowing him and, and walking with him, that's, that's really what I want from my children. And whether they raise their hands at seven or five or whatever is not really relevant. Whether they're praying at seven, it's great that they do do that, but I want them praying at 17. I want them praying at 18. And if they never pray before that moment, I don't really care, but if they're praying at that moment, that's what you want. It's not, you're not judging it by what goes on when they're children. You know, when your son kicks someone. Yeah, or you, or you do that, you have that. Because that happens. And you're like, in your heart, you're like, oh, you know, in fact, you're more embarrassed because you're like, oh no, what will people think of me? So I'm just going to just go through these, um, these principles. And, and um, yeah, this is probably how it has been a little bit for us. And, and I, I'll say it again, and, and Pauline will often remind me of this, that when we talk about parenting, we will often talk about principle. Yeah, and I know that can be annoying for parents because they want some practical, you know, what did you do though? Yeah. The reason we talk about principle is because the moment you get practical, it becomes very subjective. Yeah? It becomes very cultural, actually, the moment you start talking practical. And also, every situation is slightly different. As I say, you're parenting your children. You're not parenting children. Yeah? And you must understand that difference. So, okay, some quickly some principles, some of which you know. Parenting is a privilege, not a right. We must understand that. We must understand that. Difficult as that might be, it's a privilege, not a right. Not everyone who wants to be a parent will be a parent. Yeah? Although in the church, in the church, the barren woman has many children. Yeah? And so God, God has ways of dealing with it, but not everybody who wants to have children may have children. But actually God causes the barren woman to sing because of the children. You must understand how that works. It's a privilege. It's not a right. Yeah, so you can plan having your children, but in reality, you're just, God, uh, we, we understand it. We get it. We get who you are. We get that you're bigger than this, that you're sovereign over all of this. It's a gift that we are given. You're grateful. And that way, when you recognize it's a privilege, it's a gift, it means that there's genuine gratitude in your heart. Yeah, you don't assume it. You don't take it for granted. There's gratitude in your heart. Secondly, parenting is a responsibility that you have, not an identity. Yeah? You mustn't find your identity through your children, through parenting your children. Hi, my name's Owen. I've got three girls. That's, that's not me. Yeah? That can't be me. That can't, I can't find my identity in that. God commanded... Adam and Eve, to fill the earth. Go multiply. Yeah? Having children was a responsibility that he gave them. And then he chose people. And so we need to recognise that. You mustn't find identity in your kids. For the reasons that we've already given. You find identity in your children, in your parenting, you can try and relive your life through theirs. You try and find identity in your children, you can put expectations on them that are not helpful in terms of what they achieve and how they achieve it. You try and find your identity in your children, you can transfer unintentionally your fears, insecurities and hang-ups to them. 
And it's really important that you don't do that. It's really important that you don't have your thing become their thing through you. This was big for us as we, uh, when we first got married and we had our children because um, I remember talking to Pauline about I really wanted our children to grow up knowing their racial history, their background, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but as we raised them, we found that that, that, didn't, that wasn't a big thing. And what it meant for me was, you know, we were going to get certain kind of dollies that they would have and certain books and certain things. We were going to do all of this stuff, yeah? When it came to it, I was actually quite rubbish at all of that, yeah? I've always been rubbish at gifts, as you've heard that before. <laughs> but I was just rubbish at that kind of thing. And, and they didn't really get raised in that kind of way. And, and some of it was my stuff, yeah, I went on my own journey around the whole race, prejudice, diversity stuff. I had a journey that I went on which wasn't always a simple or great journey. Yeah? And I remember realising that, oh, the last thing I want to do is to give my girls my hang-ups. Yeah? Because maybe my hang-ups may have come out of experience. If I give my hang-ups to my girls, where have they come from? That's not their experience. That becomes a generational thing. How do you get rid of that? How do you deal with it? So whatever your thing is, be really careful how much you put that on your children. Yeah? Because it's not theirs to carry. At the right time, they will carry what they carry. Yeah? And then you are there to help and support them. But you just have to be careful that you don't put your hang-ups on your children, your insecurities. Now, you won't all agree with this, but this is one of the reasons why I am cautious about praying with your children lots. I'm cautious about it because sometimes you pray into them your own fears for their life. You can do that. You can pray into them stuff. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't pray for your children. And we were very blessed with Pauline's parents who were like the, the prayer warriors. Yeah, My mum was a prayer warrior when she was alive. My mum, I know, prayed for us all the time. When we prayed with her, it was always awkward. But she prayed for us all the time. Pauline's parents prayed for us all the time. Yeah? And you know what? I remember as they got older thinking, oh my goodness, what's going to happen when they go? Yeah? Well, do you know what? I thank the Lord that he passed that kind of mantle to us. So we're praying for our children all the time. All the time. Yeah? And, and we're watching and we're praying all the time. It's not that we never pray with them, but sometimes when we pray with them, it's my stuff. You know, I might pray, I want my children, I want my daughters to get married, or oh, father, da 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 da. Now, you hear that how you want to hear that. You might go, oh, I don't agree with that. That's fine. But that's, I know, how I have functioned there. The next one, parenting works in seasons. And it's really helpful to understand that. Yeah? It's seasonal, not just for your child, but for you. So many of you now, are, you're in that baby phase, that young phase, the zero to three phase, and, and you can think to yourself, this seems to go on forever. When does it stop? How did anyone do it? Yeah, you can admire parents because you're like, I don't even know how you did it. How did you do it? Yeah, you're, you're in that phase and, you, and, you, and you're deprived of sleep. You're, you've got no patience. You're not feeling well. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Genuinely, I understand that. Yeah, but and, and I don't have great answers next week. You know, you can ask maybe Pauline questions about that. But I just need you to know 
Parenting works in seasons. It is a season. Now, there is stuff that God may want to do in you through that season, stuff God may want to expose in you through that season. I thought I was more patient. I thought I had grace. And I realized none of those are with me. I understand. I thought I loved him. I don't. He doesn't get up. He doesn't do the things I feel I need. It works in seasons. It's always changing. And it's really helpful to be aware of that. It's really helpful not to make too many fixed decisions in this season, thinking that, oh, it's going to be like this all the time, because it will not be like that all the time. Kids, after a while, sleep through the night. They do. It happens. Sometimes it doesn't happen quickly. But it does happen. So you need to understand seasons, and you must also understand transition. Yeah, Transition just helps. It helps you to understand, oh, okay, we're getting to that place where you know, nursery's coming up, we're thinking about these things. And we used to just talk about those things we would be talking about those things for a long time. Yeah? Transitions, those moments where it's going to change, how are we going to make that work? It's not that we don't want to live in the moment, but we do want to be prepared for the future. And so transitions, it's important. Now, for me, the very young season, I don't know why it's weird, but the very young season, like the naught to sort of nine months, I, lo- I loved that season personally. I loved that. I loved changing the nappies and all of that kind of stuff. That's me. I know not everyone is into that. For me, the season when they were like 5 to 11, 12, was probably more tricky. They loved mum. Yeah, mum was fun. Dad wasn't so fun. Yeah? Dad was a little bit, I don't know, grouchy, grumpy, or whatever it was. But for me personally, in the seasons where my kids didn't seem to connect to me so much, I really didn't mind if they were connecting to mum. I I didn't mind. I was like, okay, they're finding dad a bit awkward, but they're loving mum at the moment, that's fine. I didn't take it personally. I didn't, like, live there. Or if you're a single parent and, and and, you're having to live in all those seasons at the same time, but you're in the church, use the church a bit. Use use the body a bit. Yeah? Gather around, be in. Let's, Let's help. Let's help in those seasons. Because actually, parenting, you're always parenting, just so you know that as well. You, know, you don't stop parenting when they get to four or five, or you send them off to school and you think, oh, job done. I didn't, job not done. Next, parenting is about accepting personalities and shaping character. Now, obviously, I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist. I don't understand all this stuff. Um, but anecdotally, Pauline and I, this is what we realised. Your kids have personalities, yeah? Just, just the innate way they are, yeah? Some of them are compliant. That's their personality, yeah? It's not necessarily that you're a great parent. It might be, but they're just compliant. Some kids are compliant. So if you say, if you say to some children, okay, we want you to go to bed at 9.01 p.m. and do this, that, and the other, the child will just do it. And you think, gosh, what good skills I have. Yeah? Then you've got your other child, and we quickly learned this, that um, where you say, uh, we want you to go to bed at 9.01, just like your sister did, and they were like, 
Yeah? We were like, oh, what's going on here? We weren't really developed for children that didn't, weren't compliant. How do we deal with that one? What we realized very quickly is it wasn't personal. It wasn't, it wasn't that we were great or not great. Some children are compliant. Some children are a little bit more combative. Some children are more questioning. Some children are more resourceful. Yeah? That is, that's personality. Yeah? And you realize it's personality because sometimes when you, pick it, when you point it out, they really don't know what you're talking about. And it's not because they're being rude. They just don't know what you're talking about. Or when they realize, they think, oh my goodness, was I really like that? I didn't mean to be like that. So you have to learn to accept personality, but you do shape their character. You must shape their character. So your resourceful child, and resourceful is another word for independent, your independent child, who kind of does everything on their own, seems to know by eight years old, mum and dad, it's great you're here, but I've got life. Yeah, that child, yeah, you realize, oh, it's great that they're like that, but I really have to help them understand that life isn't like that. Yeah, I have to shape their character so they recognize they can't do everything on their own. That asking for help is a good thing, connecting with others is a good thing. Your compliant child, who you, your concern here is that that child becomes the kind of child that just gets walked over, is you might need to help them a little bit with just being a little bit more confident. Oh, what do you want? And your, your combative child, the child who, in a way, questions, will do what they want, you might need to help them be a little bit more patient and be a little bit more thoughtful about others. You're always working on their character. Yeah? Characters change. The Bible's full of that. Yeah? The fruit of the Spirit is really the development of your character. And that's what you want in your children. So you, you accept personality, you help to shape character. And we saw that, I mean, Pauline can talk about it next week, but we saw that in Pauline's life, because Pauline was adopted when she was a child, and when we um, uh, found her, her birth parents, there were things that were exact, there were things that they did that she did, and she'd never met them, yeah? There were some nature things, and then there were some nurture things, there were things that she did which seemed right out of character, but actually had been nurtured in the home that she was raised in. So we saw it anecdotally there, and then we saw it even with our own children. A couple of others, very quickly. Parenting requires faith. And you're all going to go, yeah, yeah, we know that. But what I mean by that is you must learn to trust God with your children. You must learn it. Don't feel like you've got to, I've got to do everything I can. There's a bit where you're trusting God for them, where your, where your prayers are prayers of genuine faith. God, I need you to do this. I'm not sure what's happening here. I want to lecture right now. I want them to see. Yeah, we always want them to understand stuff. Yeah, there are times when you don't do that. There are times when you go, God, I want them to understand stuff, but I, I need you to help them understand it. You must get there with your children. Otherwise, you spend your time lecturing and preaching to them, and it doesn't take long before they stop listening to you. Which is why relationship is so important. I lecture less, I pray more. I'm in good relationship. That's what you do. So it requires faith. Yeah? You want to expose them to stuff that's going to help them. Yeah, you're praying that they'll be ready for the world. You're praying that they will find Jesus. But when they're walking away from Jesus, you're not necessarily running after them and putting in rules and laws. You're praying, God, 
You're trusting him with it. It's testing, but it's the way it works. If you really want your children to be raised in a place where they find God for themselves. And then parenting is about creating a culture. Not just lots of rules, lots of do's and don'ts. You do need rules, so don't, don't mishear me. You know, don't, don't think, oh, I don't need any rules in my kids. We just get on about life. No, because if your kids have no boundaries, they, they become difficult. Maybe not for you, but for everyone else. <laughs> yeah? You, you do need rules. You, you, you want them to grow up to respect the way things are. Yeah? To be able to, to fit in and stuff. But also in your own home, you create a culture. And your primary culture you're trying to create is one where they, they just realise God is the main thing. When, when we left our old church and we came to Kings, or we came to Beacon, um, I remember telling our girls that because we were in a big church. And I remember thinking, okay, how are we going to do this? Because everything I'd heard was that when you know, parents took their kids of that kind of age and they went to a little church from a big church. Within a few years, the kids weren't going to church anymore. I'd seen that happen. I'd heard that happen. I was like, oh, my goodness. What are we going to do? Because we don't want that. Yeah? And so we did... Oh, I remember I did some praying about that and we did some real thinking about how are we going to make this journey? How are we going to... Do it, and I mean, one of the really sad things I did, and I, I, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I did it. Um, when we moved, and I sat them down in our new house, and I told them that we felt God had called them, called us here. I didn't say called them, but called us here, because um, they weren't ready to feel any call. Um, I told them that. I remember I said to Pauline, "We're going to buy them a big telly. We're going to buy them a big telly, because I don't know what to do <laughs> to make them be okay." So we bought, I mean, I quite liked having the big telly, but I partly bought it because I thought, I'm just, I'm just, I don't know what to do to help the girls in this massive transition from a church where they were one of a hundred young people to where they were the young people. How was I going to do it? And then we've had some, not, it's not always been easy, but we've had some just wonderful times with them as they have worked out for themselves, oh, God's real for me. How bizarre. It's not because of mum and dad. It's not because of this. It's not because of that. It's for me. And so actually, we're really grateful that we made that move because we've seen a real genuine faith develop in each of them. So culture's important. Kids will pick up more what you do than what you say. That you model values. They watch what you do. They watch how you walk. And just to finish, even when your children are small, having an idea of what you're trying to do with them is really helpful. And I'd encourage you, just if you've got kids, to think about that, to, to really consider, what are we actually trying to do here? What's our ultimate goal? What helps that? What doesn't help that? What helps them develop resilience and strength and faith? What really doesn't help them do that? So you need to think about that in your situation. Successful parenting is not where you never make mistakes, it's just you never lose sight of what you're trying to do. That's what it means to be successful. You just never lose sight of it. You're always saying, no, no, bring me back, bring me back. This is what we're trying to do. 
And when you know what you're trying to do in that way, God is heavily involved. Yeah? As he was heavily involved with Adam and Eve right at the beginning, his idea was parenting. Yeah, in the end you want them to come to faith, uh, but you want them to come to a genuine personal faith in Jesus. We've not been perfect parents by any stretch. We've not. And, and I, I speak even hesitantly about what I've spoken because although we have seen some of this happen, it's just our example. But I do think that it has the potential to help every parent here. As I think the church has a potential to help every parent here. That we do this together. That this is not just about you, your 2.4 family doing your thing. But actually you need help. You need help and that's what the church is for. Okay, I'm going to pray to finish. So why don't, why don't we stand together? I'm just going to pray. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org you can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.